I know I don't know much about you. But racing through my head, all thoughts about you. Yeah, you know I never try to hurt you. You know, and I hate to see you go. Yeah, I got something to say. Welcome back, Pod Chat listeners. Uh, this is your boy Jordan Smith. I am joined here, as always, by uh, Mr. Quinn Kaiser out in D.C. and Mr. Roger Brandsetter back in Madison, Wisconsin. How's it going today, boys? It's going good. I learned that if you talk loud and fast, it's funnier. You can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at HelloQuinny. Anybody can do it. If you talk loud and fast. Yeah, I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Roger, up, how's Roger? it going? Uh, pretty good. The sun is just setting here in Madison, and it's, uh, what, 70 and cloudless, which makes it the greatest. Uh, Midwestern summer nights are phenomenal. Madison, Chicago, Minneapolis. Summer nights. And that is just the perfect, most perfect segue for me to lead into our topic of discussion because the sun is setting on a few of our favorite uh, series of TV shows, particularly of the 30-minute variety. Um, we were with you guys earlier a couple weeks ago talking about peak TV. Well, now... We're in peak depression because our Sundays and our Thursdays just got a little less cool. Um, HBO's Barry in Silicon Valley ended their uh, eight-episode season this past Sunday. We're recording on the 15th of May. And then um, Atlanta finished at an, an odd, pun intended, an odd 11 episodes for their season um, last Thursday. So we wanted to talk to you guys a little bit <clears throat> about each of these shows um yeah let's just dive right in let's start with barry um i'm gonna go into a little bit of a, a season finale synopsis here just to get everybody caught up and want to preface this for everybody by saying spoiler spoiler spoilers if you haven't seen any of these tv shows catch um, up. yeah i recommend <laughs> going to catch up barry was just its first season silicon valley was in season five and then Atlanta was just in its second season. They're easy to catch up on and great binges um, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, so for the season finale of Barry, um, Barry appears to cover his tracks as the killer of the Chechens from episode one um, as the police end their investigation and come to the assumption that it was the Colombians being pitted against the Chechens, um, orchestrated by Taylor, a.k.a. Dave Polinsky, who likes a lot of my tweets on Twitter, and um, Ryan Madison. Uh, both of them are dead. And then all of a sudden, boom. Time jump in this 40-minute episode. Uh, Barry appears to be dating um, Sally, who is the worst, in my opinion. Roger, I see you, you have a, a comment here. Yeah, she's the absolute worst. Uh, I can go into this a little bit further after the recap. Okay. <laughs> um, so they are, um, in fact, dating at this point. I was a little bit skeptical. I thought maybe this was a dream sequence. Um, I guess there's still a chance it could be. But um, they're having a double date getaway with Kusino and Detective Moss, who was on the Barry case earlier um, in the season. Moss connects the dots because of Barry's lame stage name being Barry Block. She looks, she does some great uh, social media, Facebook uh, investigations, everything that everybody's girlfriend is good at. Um, and it ends with Barry, from what we hear, uh, taking her out to protect himself. Um, so yeah, any 
initial thoughts on the finale? Let's start out right away, Roger. Uh, so I think the last time we spoke about this, I said that I really liked the pilot and the following three episodes were enjoyable and I was hoping it would improve. And in my opinion, it improved wildly uh, starting with episode five uh, and just rolling all the way through the finale from uh, that uh, episode with the raid where Barry and Taylor took out all those dudes in the warehouse, uh, the next job, the car rolling uh buried doing damage control uh taking out the chechens like it was just a roller coaster ride to the end of the season and uh, i'm very very glad that well one that bill Hader can pull off being a badass and two that this is already greenlit for a second season yeah agreed that was my favorite episode of the season with the the raid um i believe that one was directed by hero mirai who does a lot of atlanta work so i mean it's it's no surprise uh, there and this is america this is america he's having a little bit of a moment too huh uh oh hero mirai he might be uh director of the year somebody get him a movie he wants to say tv i thought but anyway um my reaction to the finale, just the finale itself. Dark. Um, I, I thought it was actually done at the 22 minute mark. I thought we were wrapping up and moving on all happy. And uh, then I paused it and there was 15 minutes left and shit got real. Um, the last 15 minutes were very nerve wracking and enjoyable. Um, much like the episodes prior, the last time the audience heard from me regarding Barry, I recommended not to watch it. Um, I stand by that, but I'd like to edit it to not watch episode two or four. Um, they're not necessary. It took the show a while to hit its strides, and I have completely changed my tune. 180 on Barry. Uh, episode five, like you guys mentioned, took it up a notch, and to me, Six and then seven each like went up another level. And I think we kind of plateaued at eight. I wasn't actually a huge fan of the finale itself um, because of the trajectory I thought we were going to continue on. But I do think it um, was far beyond uh, where I thought it was going to go. So I'm, I'm not knocking episode eight. I'm just saying it it held steady. The trajectory of, of upwardness stopped, but we're at a great plateau. Yeah, yeah for the... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Roger. I was going to say, just the way it ended felt like they could have ended it after one season and they just sort of put it in a place where, like, there is a cliffhanger, so they can do a second season, but they tied up pretty much all the loose ends from this season. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure if they're if they know that there's going to be a third season at the conclusion of the second one, the finale of season two will be really, really good. Yeah, I'm I agree with you there, um, Quinn, too, about the um, like the first 22 minutes of this finale. I was like, oh, they're they're definitely tying up a lot of bows. Um, I, I felt like it was giving the the season a lot of finality, um, you know, just in case like this thing wasn't coming back for another season. Um, but it, and then I spent after the first 22 minutes and then they get to this dream sequence i i spent like the next eight minutes trying to figure out if this is like actual real life or if barry's just having another one of those um sequences where john ham's gonna come up around the corner again 
um, like he's been having all season. <laughs> just that they had actually used dream sequences prior to that. I think that they sort of trained us to think that it was a dream sequence. So when things started getting real, so to speak, it was like shocking just to watch. I think so. I think they Pavloved me. Like I, because <laughs> I, I was like, well, why are they? Like I feel like we're missing a whole chunk of a, a couple months in there like how okay how did him and sally ended up getting back together after she was being super weird earlier in the season with that and how she was being kind of bitchy about it i don't i was i was so confused but then i finally started piecing it together when um when kusino was talking about the the monologue in the parking lot um and barry was starting to get freaked out once he didn't snap out of a dream sequence like I was like, oh, that this is not like some sort of weird uh, forward nightmare. Yeah, at that point, I also realized it, too. And I was actually waiting for Barry to come in with the why did you say that line that we were um, opened up to in the, the prior episode when Barry had to get rid of Chris. Um, but at that point, yeah, is when it also hit me that like, oh, shit, like this is about to get really dark. Um, and I, I definitely was super all engaged at that point, starting now. <laughs> um, well, let's move on to the, the next category. Who was the MVP of the season um, for Barry? It's a fresh show, some fresh faces, some old faces, uh, but who really, which character won this first season of Barry? Uh, in my opinion, there's really one choice, and it's Barry. This doesn't work without Bill Hader doing Bill Hader stuff. Super easy to root for him. I mean, he's just a familiar face, and he's always the good guy in everything he's been in. So, I don't know. There's something in the back of everyone's mind that's like, oh, yeah, I'm rooting for Bill Hader. Uh, it's super easy to root against Fuchs. And even when shit goes off the rails and it's Barry's fault, uh, you still end up rooting for him, especially because, like, the wronged party, a.k.a. Sally, and one of the episodes is just intolerable. <laughs> I, I totally agree with Roger. It's Barry is the hands down MVP for all, all the reasons you said. I just wanted to throw uh, a tip of the cap to uh, Noho Hank, um, the bald dude who is My actually prowess. the um, comedian of the show, it seems, uh, which I realized today that. Maybe part of my issue in the first half of the season was I was looking in the wrong places for the humor. Um, it's like it's a, a mash between a drama, suspense, and comedy. Um, and I was looking to Bill Hader for the comedy um, when that comedy is actually coming from the the dark underworlds of, that Barry gets involved in, specifically being uh, Noho Hank, who is... All of a sudden, one of my favorite characters in the series. I have that written down in my notes, like almost the exact thing. It just took me until like episodes like seven and eight to appreciate him. But like some of his like little quips, like when they're uh, trying to cut up Fuchs and someone says lugging 50 pounds of torso is a back injury waiting to happen. It was just like hilarious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even like making the guillotine, um, just like that's where all the over-the-top comedy is coming from from this underworld and the the darkness aspects of the show are coming from barry and his personal life and depression and the shit he has to do yeah i agree it's it, 
I guess it's kind of hard, a hard question to answer for a first season of a show. It has to be Barry, um, because otherwise you wouldn't come back with a character that you don't sympathize with. Um, it would be super difficult to uh, definitely shout out to NoHo. Um, I think it was a little bit difficult to figure out where the comedy came from initially because you weren't sure if you're supposed to like this guy or if he is the protagonist. And for me, the funny parts with him earlier in the season were when he was texting Barry. Um, so it wasn't coming like, directly from him. It was just like these funny text messages that he would send him and like the bit emoji. It was like super funny. So it, yeah, I agreed it was hard to find who was supposed to be the comedic relief, but once you've like figured it out, like, okay, it's supposed to be no-ho, and this it, is entertaining. At first, I think my reaction was, man, those guys are really cheesy. I hope they off that entire thing and move on deeper into the dark underworld, but, but now I'm happy that they stuck it through, even though they ended up offing most of them. Hey, I have a question for you guys. So... Uh, the other Marine, the violent one, Taylor, does he remind you his habits of anyone else from any other HBO comedies at all? Specifically yeah. from Entourage season. Uh, this guy fucks. <laughs> no, I oh, thought shoot, he reminded sorry. me. This guy Fs. <laughs> My bad. He reminded me of Dom Beep. from Entourage, like more than anything. Oh. Like, I really don't really loud. get that feeling. No, okay. Maybe it's just me, but just like. Total scumbag, blasting porn, uh, <laughs> you know. I, I guess that's true. Um, I, I thought this guy was a little bit more of a wild card, though, to be taken seriously. Otherwise, if he's, like, let loose, then, I mean, obviously we already saw that. He was let loose eventually, and he just totally messed did, up the entire operation, and it led to two deaths. Yeah, how did he think a bum rush was the right play in, like, a... Uh, production suv like humvees in the army of like bulletproof glass that's just like a standard windshield he was bum rushing in with yeah i would actually i would like to have a conversation with people that i know in the military to see if they know anybody like those two marine characters to see if that's like kind of in the norm you know to see if that's yeah. a um if I'm there's, sure a, there's like a, a type like really I, precise people I, in the marines but also like a meathead as well yeah i know a couple of marines and shout out to you guys if you're listening and thank you for your service but they very much are the over macho type like um taylor was so i'm not sure if different branches draw different stuff or if i just need to expand my network and meet some more uh cultured leathernecks <laughs> <laughs> uh well from here, um, predictions for Barry going forward. Where does the show go, and where does Barry, I guess as a character, go from here? So I think season two definitely has to deal with the repercussions for Barry from slaying Janice. And, I mean, the I, my prediction would be there will be a different big bad that comes to kill Barry, like a Chechen or Bolivian hitman or group that's like looking for revenge. Would and be because, John Malkovich. Yeah. And, and like, <laughs> Noho Hank survived, so we know he'll play into it. Uh, Sally and Barry's relationship in the second season, I'm assuming, will either go somewhere or dramatically end at some point. 
And I feel like this is going to sort of veer towards like a Dexter sort of plot line where Barry's just trying to prevent everybody from learning his uh, tr true identity, his, uh, his actual hobbies. God, I hope he doesn't start banging his sister. Um, Quinn, what do you think happens from here on out? Um, spoilers for Dexter, by the way. I did not know that. <laughs> That's been um, on Netflix for years. You had to have seen it by now. <laughs> I only got the spoiler warning at the beginning for these three shows. But uh, for, for Barry going forward, I am actually really worried that they're just going to gloss over the Detective Moss killing. And it's just going to be like Cousineau's really depressed and they like don't get into like how did he get rid of the body what did he say like uh i would be concerned if they did that but uh i hope they address it um for the rest of the season though i'm sure that'll just be like the first episode getting things launched um i'm interested to see this new partnership that noho hank has made uh, and how that weighs in because Noho Hank also has a crush on Barry appears. Um, so I <laughs> can't really like see that. them like attacking Barry, but maybe a third organization that we don't know of yet. Um, maybe they come for Noho Hank and the guy that recommended the four agreements book to people to read that was in the plane. I don't know who that <laughs> character is yet. Um, Maybe He's the they... Colombian from yeah. okay. uh, <laughs> Fast and Furious, I think. <laughs> All right. So maybe Noho Hank and Fast and Furious Colombian guy um, end up hiring Barry. Um, and I kind of am hopeful that Fuchs doesn't return. Oh, 100% agreed. Less Fuchs for me. I felt really controversial saying that because he like feels like Barry's daddish figure um but I'd, i just hope he doesn't come back no i 100 percent agree because he's like the the barrier that just won't let barry live his life <laughs> you know what i mean he's he's keeping barry in the game for selfish reasons and i'm just like oh this guy like go away like i would you be know, fine if he went away for a year and came back in season three Anyway, you know, he, he could end up being the big bad in season two or three, I guess. Oh, but, shit. That's yeah, give, awesome. I mean, just given that he was spurned in the way he was and Barry, like, just shouted at him at the airport and just the way it ended, I could see him holding some grudges and recruiting a new hitman to go after Barry. Damn. Yes. If they So if they continue the Detective Moss storyline, it's like that pops up again in some way that Barry's going to have to cover up. I think the main protagonist will have to be um, a new detective, um, somebody that actually gives a shit um, and not somebody that's like crying in the back of police photos. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that could be um, a new protagonist because um, that could present problems for um, both Noho Hank and his new regime, as well as um, Barry trying to, juggle um his relationship with sally not being found out um doing this two-person play whatever the heck they're doing um and also probably it's going to affect his relationship with kusino as well because kusino is pretty hard on for this detective um but i think that's what what my initial predictions are do you guys have a favorite scene at all from uh season one 
trying to think like off the top of your head if not that's cool yeah i mean my favorite scene is probably um the first episode at the uh end when barry has to take out the hitman that was like peak barry and we finally got back to that in episode five yeah it's that's pretty cool i have like a few things written down and first one is like any scene barry's a badass in so (laughs) i mean even yelling at his friend chris to shoot that guy after the car rolling thing just like okay this guy knows what the hell he's doing uh but my like actual best scene i thought uh in the penultimate episode loud fast and keep going uh when he has his scene with sally and then uh later on she tells him whatever he did to get in that mindset is his new process is just like heart-wrenching it's like one of the best scenes in any show outside of atlanta that i've seen in a while yeah i would have to agree um my favorite scenes i guess you just have to couple them together whenever barry or bill Hader is just being really um emotional and um expressing either sadness or anger uh, i think that's definitely um for people who have watched bill Hader on like snl or super bad it's just a completely um different corner for bill Hader to be in and it's it's really fantastic i hope he gets some sort of um emmy nomination um and i don't know what would you guys qualify barry as a, a drama or a comedy or is it living in that like atlanta realm where you're not sure what it is i think it is going to be a comedy just based on script uh noho hank sending bitmoji and bill Hader <laughs> being in it yeah, probably pigeonholed already like that. I wish they did like best new com like best new comedy, best new drama, best new actor or something, or best best season one. Just because it's like Atlanta deserves everything for this season, but Barry was like a really good watch. Extremely yeah. worth it. If I had to do categories, I would I would want best thirty minute TV show and best hour long TV show. Or that. like best 30 minute drama, best 30 minute comedy, like break it up into time segments. Because I think there's just a, there's a different style and different way that you have to go out, go about as like a a creator and as an, as an actor to, um, to put those into hour long and half hour long TV shows. So yeah, fitting a story into six hours versus 10 hours is like hugely different. Like the night of versus Barry is I mean, you can tell a lot more story and get a lot more detail than a longer format, but there's something to be said for fitting a story this compelling into half hours and just eight episodes. Yeah, that's only four hours of television. That's insane. So plug for watching Barry. If you have four hours to kill, you can watch an entire season of Barry. Just want to take a moment to be pretentious. Um, here, go here we go. <laughs> what? Here we go. Bring it. <laughs> I just don't want to group shows into time segments because I want to give artists freedom to use forty-minute episodes. Love forty-minute episodes. That's just fair. The best. That yeah, that's true. The Teddy Perkins <laughs> episode was forty, a clean forty with no um, commercials, and so was this finale of Barry. So, I guess. <laughs> but just I, a total side note of a discussion to. For we could, for what Emmy season, meat? we could go over how the rules should be. What if the <laughs> me, What if the median time spot for your TV show is thirty minutes? What do you mean? Can you elaborate? 
like if if the majority of your uh, when the majority of your, the episodes of your show is 30 minutes then oh, does that minutes. qualify you yeah for sure yeah i i think that's fair but uh i'm curious as a larger discussion would you as a viewer be interested in a tv show that you never know if it's going to be 30 minutes or a full hour uh until it's actually dropped because if it's barry and they want to take 50 minutes I would probably give them 50 minutes. And then the next week, if they wanted to give me a 30 minute sampler, I would just be anxiously waiting for the week following that, but still totally engaged. I think I would be okay with that because when I'm watching like an hour long drama show, I'm, I know I'm like, okay, I have to dedicate an hour of my time. I'm going to sit here from uh, seven to eight and watch this show. But if somebody was putting on like a compelling 30 minute show and all of a sudden it was 40, 45 minutes long. I probably wouldn't even realize um, until it was over. Yeah, that's a really interesting, interesting idea. I want to think about that some more, but that's very intriguing. For example, with Barry, like I said, that first 22 minutes of this finale, it could have finished. And then we could have literally gotten a 15 minute teaser drop next week. And it would have been the most talked about episode leading up to season two um something to think about hbo but uh we can carry on and save this for another day yeah that second half of the barry episode was in and of itself like a, its own short which was pretty neat it was interesting um let's move on to another hbo favorite of our silicon valley kiss um, my piss kiss <laughs> my his. Uh, the episode title is 51%. Um, after going public with their initial coin offering, Pied Piper uh, is faltering after a couple months. Um, that's right. We got another season finale with a time jump. Uh, but little do they know, uh, this is because Lori Bream's new company she's working with, that Chinese manufacturer um, who has... What, Z-H-E or, or what was the... I I can't remember oh, the Trump um, thing from today. ZTE. 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 There you go. <laughs> um, the the company that got the algorithm from Xinjiang, um, and is slowly adding subscribers to their phones. They're doing this manually, just adding subscribers one by one. Um, so it's a slow process that wouldn't tip off Pied Piper um, that they're adding these users. Uh, luckily, uh, our our boy Gilfoyle and our our girl Monica are skeptical, um, so they dig deeper into this um, this bump in users that they see after two months. Uh, former K Hole CEO, um, he tries to get some help uh, from Pied Piper and to help them as well by offering to put his new game and eighty thousand users on their network because he got removed as CEO from his company by Lori Bream. Uh, Richard tells him famously to kiss my piss, and then he does the most awkward dance you have ever seen any person do. Uh, meanwhile, the Chinese company is reaching a 51% share of the network, which would give them control over it. Um, Richard decides to enlist help from Gavin Belson, who eventually double crosses him um, like the prick that he is. Uh, but thanks to Dinesh and podcast favorite Jared, uh, they track down the K-Hole CEO just in time to save their network and add those 80,000 users. Um, I thought this was a pretty funny episode. What are your guys' initial thoughts? Uh, initial thought on the finale? Uh, yes. Loved it. 
It was awesome. Um, just uh, an overall, going back again to our prior discussion at peak TV time, um, this season continues to be, for me, Richard's coming out party as a competent CEO. Um, and he crushes it when he needs to uh, pit it against um, fucking Hooli guy. I can't fucking Gavin. Yep. <laughs> it freaks uh, me out that that actor's in uh, The Aviator. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Roger, what do you think? Uh, I really, really like the finale. I don't think it was my favorite of the season, but as a whole, the season felt, I think, the most coherent in terms of like a comedic examination of a startup in Silicon Valley. And I think part of that's because like all the problems to me at least felt more real. Um, I mean that the part about Chinese, whatever firm stealing the tech and behind the scenes manipulation um, and some of the technologies that they like made jokes about like blockchain, like, they offered that initial coin offering and like AI felt very prescient and just of the moment, which makes me think the show may not age or this season specifically may not age that well, just because like, I don't know, some of the references they make within the show are pretty, pretty timely. And I don't know if someone watching this just randomly 10 years from now is going to get some of the references or, Maybe all banking by then will be via blockchain, and this will seem like a super archaic thing to go about doing. But overall, I really like the finale, really like the season as a whole. And to echo Quinn, uh, Richard finally succeeding felt super duper good to watch, just like playing Gavin like a fiddle. Just unbelievable. It's, it's cool to see him. I, I don't know. I guess embrace, embrace, <laughs> embrace his inner prickishness and uh, and harness it to save his company with everyone else doing their part to also save the company. Yeah. That moment, I realized Richard was handing him a piece of paper, having handing Gavin a piece of paper that was nothing, was like a wave crashing over me <laughs> of just pure like. Yeah, fuck yeah, Richard. Wait, um, what, did, what did the note say? Kiss my piss, right? Kiss my piss. <laughs> I don't know. Well, just Richard accepting that he had to be a prick to succeed and to make Pied Piper and his new internet viable is just a huge turnaround from previous seasons where he told Jared, like, oh, I'll never do this again, and I'm only being an ass and being immoral and unethical to so I can be moral and ethical later down the road. And it seems like he's just flipped a switch and it's more fun to see him succeed than uh, just sit on his balls every single season. Yeah. You kind of think with the direction, like as soon as Richard went over to Gavin Belson's place, I was like, Oh God, this is just going to be Richard thinking he has a great idea again to save his company, but then it ends up backfiring. But then it, it worked out perfectly. It worked out really beautifully. And Richard, I feel like he's finally, after five seasons, learning how to play the Silicon Valley game a little bit better. Um, I agree with you too, Roger, in that the show, I feel like a lot of the, the subject matter with the technology, um, that might not age well. The joke should be fine. Um, technology is hard because... 
uh, like in 10 years, all of this stuff could be obsolete and the show might seem like a dinosaur. Um, it's like if you look at every like thriller in the 90s, all of their movies could have been solved if they had cell phones. Um, a counterpoint to that, though, The Office has aged really well, even though we are always on the brink of paper no longer being necessary. I think we've been trying to tackle AI for enough time that it will last a little bit. You weren't trying to tackle AI like Ariel was, though. <laughs> gross. Very gross. <laughs> I just wanted to see the ocean, guys. Oh, it's so disgusting. <laughs> that entire storyline is very, very funny to me. Very creepy. But, um, yeah, I thought this was... It was nice for the season finale for them to finally where it ends on a high note, but then somebody doesn't come in and tells them some bad news. And that's like the cliffhanger for the next season. Um, It looks like when they, when they get their new digs at the end of the episode, uh, Monica says that um, their floors, a lot of it used to be Huli space. Um, So it looks like who knows, maybe Huli actually did get bought up by Mr. Jeff Bezos. Yeah. I have a note about that. Like this, they are confirmed for another season after this, but that felt very like final to me. Like Bully and Gavin have been the bane of Pied Piper and Richard for five seasons. And for that to not be a thing in the next season, I'm not really sure where they're going to go from there. I think it was, it might've been written as a way to end the, I haven't looked into it. It might've been a way to end the series if they didn't get renewed like they might have had everything just written out and planned like if this needs to be the end then it stands up pretty well on its on its ending yeah that makes sense to me it seems like it i mean richard puking in a trash can at the very end is just emblematic of this entire saga where they actually have a decent office and he's just i mean the entire series he's puking when he gets super nervous I mean, it, it, I don't know where they're going to go, but if this, I don't know, this felt like it very much could have been a series finale. Yeah, I totally agree. I actually kind of had a mini panic inside when you guys were talking about this, and I was like, just quickly Googled to see if it was renewed for next season because um, it did feel like it wrapped up nicely uh, and put them in a good place. So there's there's the question, I think, out there with Lori Bream. Um now kind of being a direct competitor to them or or clearly in competition with them. Um, They've kind of written Gavin almost out of the show. Um, So maybe Lori replaces him as their arch nemesis. Yeah, I'm not sure why they keep doing that with Gavin's character because there was the, the season where he goes to Tibet and just disappears and you're like oh okay now they're they're going to bring in some other like ceo slash competitor to be against these guys but then lo and behold he he was back you know so i'm, I'm really confused at why they keep on putting that character in and then yanking him out i feel like he'll be back yeah i mean he's so integral to the plot for literally every season so far i really can't see this show without him and just as like goofy ass antics and his sycophants that will do like anything just be yes men to him but i don't know i guess this is why i don't write tv 
the bear is sticky with honey. Can can <laughs> any signature can any signature be made to look like a penis? Mine my definitely can. I don't know. I, I liked it. It was it was strong. It was bold. <laughs> I really so the penis joke itself was funny, but I liked that the box three came back into the fold in the finale. Like it was <laughs> Like it was this huge, not huge, but it was a plot point for other episodes and the fact that they were used in the final, the way the cards fell, final developments of the season was pretty cool to me. It was used as a joke, like all season long, that his signature looked like a penis. But for (laughs) me, it was funnier in the season finale when you saw all of those um, box threes lined up and you just saw (laughs) like... (laughs) 12 penises just all <laughs> lit up <laughs> in that server space. Um, who was the MVP of the season? Um, I guess, is it Richard? It sounds like it's Richard for you guys. Uh, yeah, for me, it's it's hands down Richard. Uh, the coming of age CEO tale um, has met its fruition, uh, and his arc uh, completely dominated the season for me. Um, personally, I, I understand he is probably nobody's favorite character, in the series uh but his character's arc is is the show's plot uh and he is pied piper he is maybe chief executive is that a, a better way than mvp yeah ceo <laughs> acronyms are fun so i'm going to um disagree but only because jared was the mvp and jared's always the mvp of silicon valley <laughs> because he's the best character and his he line, one line in the finale. Come his on, his line in the finale. Oh, how would you like to die today, mother? <laughs> oh my god, lost my mind. It was the best line, maybe in the series. It's just so funny. I mean, um, you do have a, a case to make with him. He got a nice promotion this season as well. Oh, yeah, like he has the best business sense uh, of anyone there. Like he knows how to actually run the business. He breaks um, that assistant. Yeah, the assistant was really funny in the finale, too. The show's really good. Um, but his manure analogy on TV got them a bunch of press that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten. He resolves, like, every problem or at least, like, lays out a path to resolve every problem that arises out of the other characters, either incompetence or just being guys in Silicon Valley. And he really doesn't cause any problems other... I'm trying to think of any problems he caused. He's just, like, a goofy, quirky, awkward dude and then, like, you cut to him when he's away from Pied Piper and he's like in a three way. <laughs> so he is goat status for me and uh, will always be in my heart. You know what? I, I actually agree with Roger on this one. I think with, um, with Richard, he was, he was kind of taking L's all season and then finally came in clutch and hit the game winner in the fourth quarter here of this season. Um, if we're separating the awards, I would say Richard's maybe offensive player of the year, but Jared's the MVP to me. Um, again, he got promoted to CIO. Um, and I feel like without him kind of help steer Richard in the right direction that Richard might have, uh, he might've had that one weird guy um, who's all about radical candor, some rad can, um, you might have had him as CIO and things might have not have gone as smoothly. So um, I, I want to give it to Jared just for keeping them on the right track. And um, la- or the finale line was fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, 
earlier in the season though i had to rewind it like three times when he uh when they had the mole and he's like why are you a rat fuck like, that was just <laughs> hilarious to me i was dying yeah they utilize his uh innocence and doe eyes like so perfectly that when he has these just gut punch swearing <laughs> obscene lines they are so funny all the time <laughs> this is where i went uh foraging with my friend muriel before she passed away. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what? i'm sorry finish your thought oh i was for jared for me he's like the wags of uh silicon valley like he could just easily be mvp every season or every episode but for for me over the longevity of the season i have to give it to um to jared while uh while richard did hit the the game winning shot and had a big fourth quarter um i'm going for longevity over the course of the season though what do you guys think about the way dinesh and guilfoyle finish the season out oh i'm so glad you asked I'm here, I'm here to play. I, I only have two quick thoughts on that. I thought I liked the way Guilfoyle kind of took a more um, powerful position and that it, it finally seemed like he cared about something. Um, Dinesh, I, I feel like they really, really misused his character this season. I thought he was. Thank it was, you. It was kind of malpractice to me. Oh, man, I'm totally with you, Jordan, and I'd love to expand on on Dinesh, played by Kumail Nanjiani, being overused. They totally, like, pushed him into this Tesla techie nerd who rats out to the mole, like, is just a complete dweeb, and they went full in on that being his character. Uh, And I think it's because of the loss of TJ Miller. I think this is the one spot where we actually missed TJ Miller's character um, is the comic relief aspect that he brought in just those minutes on screen. And I think they gave those minutes um, disproportionately too many to Dinesh uh, and his character. I I agree. I liked Guilfoyle's steps up um, and his steps up led to a couple steps in the wrong direction to me for Dinesh. Um, Maybe those were minutes that Jared deserved. Um, but I, uh, I thought Dinesh's character totally, totally went south for me. Um, love Kamal. He had a big I, I year. Use less Dinesh. He had a big sick. No. Uh, so I only have, <laughs> I have a couple of thoughts. So I just want to comment on Guilfoyle, and I will respond to Dinesh because I disagree slightly with you guys. Uh, I thought Guilfoyle in this episode was like. It's really good. And just at the end, when he tells Monica he likes her awkwardly, and it's like, but not like, I don't know. I just thought that was a really sweet scene and sort of just cemented, like, okay, they're cool. He thinks that she's capable. Um, Monica in this season, I guess, didn't feel as forced, like, cute female number one as she did in early seasons. Like, she just was, like, definitely part of the team, definitely pulling her weight. Overall, more enjoyable this season than I thought she was in previous seasons. And Guilfoyle acknowledging that in the finale was cool to watch, especially since he doesn't really uh, express any sort of admiration for anyone ever except Satan. I think, um, <laughs> by the way, the... that coffee mug, uh, Drink Coffee, Hail Satan, was uh, the other MVP or MVM, <laughs> most valuable mug. Um, I agree with you on the, the Monica aspect. And I think it's because, um, well, she is. Lori's best friend. Um, <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> she, 
She was um, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you. I've been practicing that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think because she is the the partner in the um, the VC firm, and then once she realizes that she kind of is still playing, um, you know the 1B to Lori's 1A in the VC firm that she makes her own like bold decision to step out from under her shadow and kind of take control of her own destiny. So it, I agree with you, Roger. It didn't seem like she was just um, girl 1A, like hot girl 1A. Um, are you guys, uh, are you guys shipping Monica and Guilfoyle? That's what the kids are saying these days. Shipping. Oh, no. And I, uh, so when I, conf- when I do, was doing my research earlier to confirm season six, um, what's his name? Alec Berg, who's an executive producer, said, like, specifically, like, that I don't know her name. And I apologize if you're listening to this actress who plays Monica, but they, she said that she, like, is very refreshed that she isn't being, um, pushed into like a girlfriendish role in this show. And the executive producer, Alec Berg said that he's like never going to do that. And she's never going to fall in love on his watch, which I think is pretty cool. It's cool for platonic friendships and equality and all that shit. Yeah, totally. And she's also a badass character that I, I think deserves some more screen time. Okay. Yeah, so that's good. I, I agree with you both because I feel like, that's one of the better parts of the show is that they have female characters in there, but they're not like the girlfriend. I often compare this show to the big bang theory, which I've never actually seen a full episode of, but it's been around for 12 years that I managed to pick up bits and pieces of it where the Kaylee Cuoco character just seems to be there to be the hot girl to these like four nerds. Bazinga. Um, and yeah, Buzz. I didn't understand anything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Point being, I think it's very cool that it's it's a little bit more. I feel like I'm brand with Silicon Valley that these these tech guys just don't really know how to socially function around women. Like you see that with Dinesh's character and um, Richard's character, but we all know Jared Fox. I kind of uh, miss miss the uh, Dinesh dating scenes, or like making video chats so that he can see if girls are hot. Okay, so this is part of my commentary about Dinesh. Dinesh is what I wanted to say. Uh, I thought in the finale it was cool for him that he finally got to like be a boss and be like, "Hey, I'm paying for your car. I'm going to go drive it." And then he got to go to ludicrous mode, which is the pinnacle of his career in life. <laughs> but I mean, if I think that's the happiest ending he could have is like, okay, he bought a Tesla so he could like specifically so he could go into ludicrous mode and be like, this is really cool. And that that in itself, like getting K hole founder to where he needed to be was, I don't know. I think Dinesh's biggest contribution. And even though he's, he probably got too much screen time this season and kind of filled in the Ehrlich role. I don't think anything he did is really off brand for him. Like he's always sort of a shithead. Like he's <laughs> like, he's like upgrading the video chat so he could make sure that the girl he's talking with is hot. Or when he's a CEO for a week, his hair is always gelled and he's a huge douche. Like that's just him at this point. And I mean, 
I think that they probably underutilized Kumail's um, acting latitude. Like he's clearly a better actor than the parts he's given in Silicon Valley. But at this point, I think that's his character. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think he, as an actor, is, is probably being underused. I think that's a good point, Roger. But Where, not like in terms of screen time, just like he could have emotional scenes and nail them. Yeah. Yeah, I hope it's not a situation where his character just ends up um, declining in intellect, where it kind of just feels like this guy's a, a bumbling idiot, like Big Head. Um, you know, I if, if I had to... This is a good segue into predictions for where Silicon Valley goes next. But, um, I mean, Jared's the clear CIO. We found that out this season. Um, he got promoted to that position. But there uh, appears to be a chief technology officer position that's still up for grabs. And at this point, I, Guilfoyle is like head and shoulders above Dinesh for that sort of promotion. Because I feel like Dinesh just had way too many, like duh moments to actually take him seriously as a cto as, as even a, a boss and leader like none of the other programmers like appear to respect him in any way yeah that's fair i'm not sure if we're getting the exact titles right but um like i think C- that's right <laughs> yeah okay, never mind i'll let it go <laughs> <laughs> um so we're talking about where this goes in the next season, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, um, predictions for six. I honestly have no idea. Um, they obviously are expanding. I, In that same interview I read, uh, I think it was on Vulture, if anyone wants to look it up, if you type Alec Berg, Silicon Valley Vulture, I'm sure it'll pop up. Um, but he said that the they haven't started writing season six yet. See, Season seven is still a possibility, but the thing that they took away from four heading into five was, I mean, just, I guess, a more serial mentality where if they make a play on TV and they show a scene and there's a plot point, they're not going to just retcon it in the next season or undo it or whatever. Like if they make a decision, that's the way the universe is from now on. So in season six, I mean, they're going to have a huge office. They're going to have, um, all their funding taken care of. The Huli dragon has been slain. Lori's not going to swoop in and make them do whatever partnerships. So I'm not totally sure where it really goes from here. Um, it's essentially a workplace comedy, but it's just in a goofy environment in that Silicon Valley is full of a bunch of nerdy people. So I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like the, the, Humor has to be the same, just based on actors and uh, writers will be the same. But I don't know if I can predict any plot points. Quinn? Uh, yeah, I think I can predict a plot point. They kind Ooh. of hit at it. I think the, the main point of conflict uh, is going to be the government and users of the new Ooh, internet. Um, I like that. The internet they had meetings upcoming with um, whatever the government branch is, the... Um, Law and order. Yeah, the NSA. <laughs> um, they have meetings upcoming with the NSA. Um, and I think that could play out much as we're seeing um, Mark Zuckerberg in the news recently. Um, and privacy and like Facebook now has advertising on TV. Um, 
and Google is like revamping their user agreements and Twitter's revamping their user agreements. Uh, and I don't think that's going to go away by the time season six of Silicon Valley launches. Um, so I can totally just see the users of the new internet and the government trying to monitor this with a backdoor being the point of conflict. Yeah, you absolutely stole the thoughts right out of my brain. That's what I was going to say. Um, Monica hinted at it a little bit, I feel like. I mean, I know they didn't write anything, but they probably could just branch off of that because she mentioned something about the NSA um, and they're, they're needing um, like some sort of state affairs uh, government lawyer or something like that. Um, this past season, I, I guess their tether to reality was like uh, the – uh, outsourced manufacturing, the North Carolina manufacturing, and then they, they touched on um, AI this time around, um, whereas in the previous season they, they touched on virtual reality. Um, so I think with their company expanding as it is, it's it can't be just centralized to Silicon Valley and the goings on around town there, especially if they're going to be this huge... Um, internet technology company um i think they could be in for um some government uh nationwide type of storylines so you're saying guilfoyle is going to go to india and then nash is going to go to canada um no oh rovers i i think uh guilfoyle is going to have to become a u.s citizen though (laughs) Um, all right, awesome. Silicon Valley. Um, go catch up on it if you haven't already. Uh, let's move on to the show that has the championship belt as far as um, 30 minute television shows go. Um, Atlanta. Atlanta on FX um, okay. by Man of the Hour, Donald Glover. Um, season finale synopsis. Uh, so, Donald Glover's urn, um, Al and Darius are preparing for the European tour with uh, fellow local Southern rapper Clark County. Uh, Darius needs a new passport because he's Darius. Um, Ern and Al uh, visit an entertainment lawyer, but Al wants a Jewish lawyer. Um, Lottie is suddenly a grown child in preschool. Um, so I'm assuming there's we haven't seen Lottie, um, the child of Van and Ern, like all season long in person. Um, so it's hard to tell where this timeline measures up with everything else, but I'm f- assuming it might be a couple months down the road from, or actually, no, it's a couple days or weeks down the road. Um, but this season definitely takes place well in advance of last season because Lottie was just a infant child. Uh, but Ern and Van are told by uh, Lottie's teacher that Lottie is just too smart to be in um, that preschool and that they should try a private school. Uh, before the European tour, Ern, Al, and Darius are moving out of Al's place to who knows where. They could just be storing everything in a storage locker until they get back so they don't get robbed because it is Robin season. Um, don't know Ern, where they're moving. Ern does have that storage locker. <laughs> oh, yeah, he still has a storage locker. <laughs> Uh, with full running electricity. Um, and Ern has to dispose of the gold gun that Cat Williams um, 
his uncle gave him in the series premiere uh, after a long day um, getting Darius's passport and moving out there finally at the airport. And Ern has forgotten that the gun is still in his backpack and your heart drops when he is at the security line by TSA. Uh, but somehow Ern gets through security um, cut to Al and Ern on the airplane. Uh, looks like they have like an entire row to themselves. Cause there's like two seats in between them. Um, they are talking and Al says that, you know, he needs Ern as his manager. Um, he's family and he understands Al better than, you know, any sort of outsider could. Um, he also informs Ern that he saw what Ern did in the security line, putting that gun um, in another bag. Uh, Clark County boards the plane. Um, heads up to first class. Before that, they find out that Clark County's manager is dealing with the police because of the gun. Uh, but before we fade to black here, Ern tells Al that he put the gun in Clark County's bag, not the manager's. So, initial thoughts on this so, finale that had a, a pretty nice bow on it. That was awesome. I mean, every episode of Atlanta is the best thing on TV in whatever week it airs. I mean, just, it's awesome. Every episode is awesome. The writing's awesome. The direction, cinematography, art design, it's all insane. So, I mean, that's the, <laughs> the first take, but I mean, just the way that ended was very satisfying. And this one is not confirmed for another season, if uh, my sources are correct which uh, is disconcerting in that this is, I think, fairly clearly the best thing on TV right now. Um, and it would be a bummer if it goes away. But if it does, this was a really satisfying ending with uh, the plane flying off into the sunset, which is a little bit cliche, but it's also cliche for a reason. And that is a really good way to wrap up a season. And it's really good to see Earn, uh, I guess, just grow some, grow some nuts and just do what he had to do. Um, and I thought just the, the reason I think this could be a series finale was just like the way that the, the episode played out and that he, uh, reconciled some stuff with van. He went back to the airport where he was working, I believe in the, in the pilot and just sort of like walked by and that they clearly made an effort to show where he used to work. He resolved his shit with Paperboy. Um, I mean, they pretty much wrapped up everything. They established that Earn is at least trusted by Paperboy to be his manager. And just the way that played out, I mean, you could see a universe where Clark County wants Earn to be his manager because he's willing to take these ruthless steps to make sure that his client ends up on top. So, I don't know. I thought it was a really, really good episode. And um, the way it ended, it could be a series finale though I hope it's not. Quinn, initial thoughts? Yeah, I hadn't prepared myself for thinking about it being a, a series finale, though it wouldn't surprise me um, if that's how they wrapped it up. Like you said, uh, a nice wrap-up. Thoroughly enjoyed the finale. Thoroughly enjoyed the whole season. I loved getting more views into like just hanging out with Darius for a day, hanging out with Al and, and kind of engaging with his life story and his connection to his mom and his past and um, the Earn and Vanessa storyline, getting some closure. Um, 
and Earn saying he'll make a little bit more of a commitment to Lottie. Um, all that being said, like I feel like we always see Earn make that commitment to Vanessa and Lottie and never come through on it. Um, the thing that changed for me was this gold gun, which was the point of conflict here. Um, that gun was in like every single episode of this season. Uh, it was introduced to us by Cat Williams uh, and Earn pretty um, memorably uh, tells his uncle Cat off and that he's not going to grow up to be like him, somebody who knows it all and is really smart, but is just a fuck up basically carrying around this shit. Um, and in the end of the season, Earn gets rid of that, literally gets rid of this shit and is going to go handle his own. Um, and it's mentioned in that episode, I think as well by Vanessa that Ern is really smart. Um, so I, I think in that respect, like if we want to really use the gun as the symbol of Ern's baggage, uh, of not always coming through. Um, I think if this wrapped up, you could say they go on to be wildly successful and everything goes well. Um, we'll see if that actually is true that it wraps up. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, it was really wild how that, that gun, which all season long has been a symbol, um, for earn, you know, as like a reminder of, you know, what his, his declaration was in the first episode of the season was that he didn't want to end up like his uncle. And ultimately that, symbol was the thing that almost brought him down like he if he doesn't get on that plane chances are he's not making it through as paperboy's manager um and he you know is just done you know he's failed on his promises and i thought that was if that was a series finale, I could definitely see it going either way. Um, like with Ern not making it on the plane and having to figure something else out because this is just, it's Atlanta. So you kind of have to prepare for anything and everything to happen. Um, I agree though. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of finality to this episode. Again, you know, it just feels like it's, uh, another season that again kind of feels like it can stand on its own um, without season one even um, as something to preface it with but um, yeah I, overall just a, a really really great season of TV um, who was oh go ahead Roger yeah, I was going to say as soon as Ern put that gun in his backpack I said aloud and woke up the cat oh no <laughs> Just because it felt like there were so many ways that could have ended badly. And, like, it still did for someone, but, like, I mean, uh, it could have been anything that happened from there. Like, he could have gotten randomly searched by a cop, and then he's a black guy with a gun, and that traditionally has not ended well in America. Um, he, we kind of, I mean, we saw a Lottie, and she could have found the gun, Things could have gone south. He could have forgot about it at the airport and saw his dreams literally just fly away from him. He could have gotten in a shootout. It could have been some suicide situation. Like, that wouldn't have completely surprised me. But, I mean, just given that there hasn't been chatter about season three, I was expecting a little violence. And I'm glad that everyone escaped uh, with their lives and 
health except for uh, Clark Carney's manager, whose career is less than healthy at the moment, but, you know. Yeah, I think with um, with Al, because he saw what Earn did, he's like, okay, I see, uh, you know, Earn's my family, and he's literally trying his best, you know, and doing everything um, that, quite frankly, is what Al wants Earn to do. Like, Al, for the past two seasons, hasn't really wanted to play the game. Um, that kind of extends back to, uh, you know, what was the episode BAN in the first season when he's on that talk show? Um, you know, Al doesn't want to be there. Like he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to play this game. Um, the woods episode as well. What he finally realizes like, okay, there are certain things that I have to do in order to be successful. Even if I don't want to do them. Um, I think over time that kind of prepared um, Al to make this decision on earn in that, okay, this guy actually has been doing the things that I've told him to do, but because I'm the one that's kind of telling him to, like, this is how I want to go about things. That's why I haven't been as successful as I wanted to be. It's not Ern's fault. Like, it's it's not him. I'm the one that has to step up and, you know, steer this ship in the direction that it needs to go. Yeah, I mean, Woods changed Paperboy's outlook on his own career and I think the way he looked at Earn, which is what inspired the um the tension in um North of the Border. Or, yeah, that's the name of it, right? Yeah, North of the Border. Yeah. Um Yeah. So I think that's what inspired the tension, just like he's trying to take his career more seriously and seeing Earn risk life and limb, like he brought a handgun into an airport in his backpack, like and he took care of the business they needed to take care of. And, I mean, Paperboy saw him put the gun in a different bag. It's unclear if he knows that he tried to put it in Clark's bag, but, I mean, just the fact that he saw him willing to take that kind of risk, I, I, I don't know. I guess that must be what solidified him wanting Earn to stay on as his manager. I think it was kind of a... I think it would have been a symbol to Al. Like if he cut ties with Earn, it would have been like putting like Al putting a gun in Earn's bag. Like I think that's how he would have interpreted. Like Al's like, you know what? I don't want to be like all season long. He hasn't wanted to be like Clark County and do the things that Clark County has been doing as far as um, capitalizing off of his music and career. Uh, he wants to go in a different direction, and I think that. With that instance, it helps solidify Al. Like, I I definitely don't want to be like Clark County. We're going to do things differently. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I literally just watched this yesterday, and I'm still unsure what the significance is in the gun going into Clark County's bag versus where it ended up being Lucas, the manager's responsibility. Um I, I was curious if you guys had any take on did it matter that he tried to put it in Clark County's bag? Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, he put it in Clark's bag to try to sabotage Clark so he couldn't go. So because he thought the paper boy should have been headlining the tour, which I think he said. So I mean he's trying to torpedo Clark County so Paperboy would be headliner. 
little little two birds with one stone action there. That makes sense. All right, I'm glad I asked because I was like, all right, well, Lucas didn't make it, so what does it matter? But also do your own research because I am very much not <laughs> the best at analyzing shows. Um, who was the MVP of the season here? Um, wait, I think I got to go Darius. <laughs> He's just always chill. He's never freaked out, even in Teddy Perkins' mansion, uh, which in hindsight seems like it might have just been a fever dream. Like They really didn't reference that anywhere else this entire season. His PER is ridiculous this season. <laughs> Um, he's the Sherpa to Van's friend when she uh, got too high off those edibles. <laughs> he's a confidant to Paperboy, source of wisdom for everybody else. Uh, I mean, just like dumb little s- stuff. Like uh, north of the border, he smelled citronella with, and found the frat house, which uh, was a very, I don't think we talked about the use of tiki <laughs> torches to symbolize some stuff that's gone down recently in real life, but I don't know. I I love Darius. He's a really good character and just funny, and I like him a lot. I just want to clarify that I laughed because I thought you were going to mention the scene where there's just a bunch of naked men, and they're just sitting on the couch. Oh, we'll get to that when I talk about my favorite episode. <laughs> All right. Um, I didn't mean to laugh at the Tiki Torches in, in current affairs right now. Um, but, yeah, I think Darius is probably the MVP. Um the season of the show though i I think gotta just give it to the whole royalty uh donald glover crew um the show is excellent and allows all these actors and writers and cinematographers just shine and it's it's phenomenal to watch every single week uh, I could, I guess, write a love note right now, pleading for them to come back for season three, um, please. But I, I think you just got to give it to the entire cast and crew. Um, Donald Glover playing Teddy Perkins, like that right there alone is more than award worthy. Um, Darius through that entire episode, though, too, is the show and his acting throughout brings you right back to him in Get Out. Um. Yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about this show, so I'm not going to say anything at all. I think my answer for MVP is kind of similar to Silicon Valley um, in that I want to say it is um, Al just because he's he finally figured out you know like he does have to you know play this game uh the woods he he finally you know found something out about himself that you know he's got to do certain things in order for him to get the most out of his music and uh you know this can be the primary way to make money instead of hustling um but that's a, a late season type of thing. So I think Al is the one with the big fourth quarter here, but over the duration of the season, I have to give it to earn. Um, he's not my favorite character in the show. He's not the best character in the show, but at the end of the day, um, he does set things in motion. He stands up for himself. He ultimately succeeds in you know keeping his job as manager because that was the one of the things he was just worried about in the series premiere or the season premiere rather was he was afraid 
Al was just going to leave him behind. Um, but he progressively does all the, the right things in order for him to um, be successful as uh, Al's manager. And I mean, it looks like they're, they're making some money too. So I, I have to give that credit to earn. That seems fair to me. Uh, do you guys feel like it's a ripoff that van doesn't drive a van and drives an Ultima? <laughs> No, I'm still, I, I think it's a ripoff that we didn't get to see Drake. Yeah, dude. I, any other show, I would never believe Drake would show up on. And this is the one where I was like, all right, they keep hinting at it. He's going to not be Drake, but it's going to clearly be Drake in like some disguise. And <laughs> just the fact that they got most of us to think that says something kind of cool about this show. Well, while we're on the topic, let's let's go right into it. Um, let's go a little bit quicker, though. What was our our each of our favorite episodes of the season? Quinn, what was your favorite? I mean, it's it's Teddy Perkins. <laughs> That's my gut instinct too. Uh, I thought, dude, I thought so many of these were amazing. Teddy per- Teddy mm-hmm. Perkins. If you're gonna person. introduce this show to somebody and you have one episode to convince them to watch it. Ah, it's Teddy Perkins. I don't think that's what I would go for, though. I think if like if I had to introduce because I feel like that one was just kind of a standalone on its own. So if I was introducing somebody to the show, I honestly think I would do the one um, where Al is chasing around his barber all episode and you get just the the classic um, Al paperboy like facial expressions. Um, I think that's the one I would go for for that answer, but I do agree with you. Teddy Perkins is yes. on the best episode. Uh, singular, ep- like it, that is so good. Um, though it is not my choice, uh, I narrowed <laughs> it down to two because I cannot pick one ever for anything. Uh, I thought it's between uh, Helen and North of the Border. Helen, because it feels, um, you know, how people say shows are like unabashedly black, which is a very cringy phrase, but it's something people say. Um, this show and like Master of None is the other one I can think of. Feel like unabashedly millennial, and it just felt like a very I don't know. It felt poignant, and it, I felt like I related to Earn and Van's like relationship talk, and how he's trying hard, but it's not fun, and it's just like a really weird scene, and there's a bunch of like weird German traditions, and I think that's a really really good episode of television. And the other one, North of the Border, is just because it's like. So weird. <laughs> it's just the weirdest episode. It's just broken up by like pretty funny comedy. And the fact that it is like the penultimate narrative episode of the season, like FUBU was also obviously extremely good TV, but like for the storyline for this season, FUBU like really was just backstory. So when I say penultimate like narrative episode, like North of the Border was like the last one before the finale, which finished up the story for the season. I just thought it was really good. Our two MVP, well, some of our MVPs coming to a head due to their respective worst traits. And uh, also that episode had the best use of Laffy Taffy in any TV show ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I I think what the FUBU episode was trying to do was just kind of show how long and how deep the familial relationship between al and Ern goes but at at the end of the day i think it was really just like a 
an ode to nine 90s culture really like i think that's all it was um i, mean, I think it like also them. highlighted um how not really having any emotion to that kid committing suicide like i think we kind of get that built in there as well some character development of who al is if you want to get super deep well and the power dynamic between him and urn just like urn was always like getting saved by al yeah absolutely and al was like very obviously the cool kid in school like people believe him at his word no matter what um i'm sure he was like a class clown obviously getting in trouble for stealing calculators and selling them um but urn was the one who was like you know somewhat cool but i feel like you get a sense that he was riding the coattails of um al being his cousin um so that propped him up from just being a full-blown you know nerd that gets picked on in school i do have a counter to your guys favorite episodes and i, I have to Perkins? say um this show as a whole and those episodes especially are very anxiety inducing. Um, in a lot TV of does, ways. man. Uh, yeah, but like Barry, I never feel pure anxiety. Like I feel maybe like tense or like, oh shit, what's going to happen? But when I'm watching Atlanta, I'm like, they literally aren't going to fucking make this international flight. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? And it can be a stressful watch, um, which is why I wouldn't introduce somebody to one of those right away because it like feels like 30 minutes of wanting to pace around your apartment sometimes. It It's definitely like it goes back to the point we were talking about earlier where like you just think that Drake can show up in this episode, like towards the end Atlanta's done like a super good job over their, their two season run and cultivating this perception, um, this idea in the show that literally anything can happen. Um, it's not always negative either. Um, you know, like Michael Vick can show up outside of the strip club and start racing people or, um, Back to the first episode, there can be an invisible car uh, to the more serious stuff. And Teddy Perkins, that ending shocked me and like blew me away. I didn't know what was going on. Um, so I think that's that's part of the the suspense. And that's, uh, you know, it's it's a surprising show. And that that's what really just makes it all the more entertaining, though. <laughs> We already talked about MVP's favorite episode. Um, so this one, I feel like this season in particular is loaded with some uh, some really good Emmy performances, whether that's coming from uh, top three in no particular order, Donald Glover, Brian Tyree Henry, and um, Lakeith Stanfield. Um, do any of those guys give you the the best Emmy performance of the year? one that can give them a, a, a nice gold statue. Um, yeah, I think Brian Tyree Henry in the episode where he's wandering through the woods, um, is probably the like historically Emmy nominated, um, Donald Glover as Teddy Perkins though. Like, I don't know. It's ridiculous. Yeah, if I'm putting um, 
if I'm putting money on best Emmy performance, like who would win that at the end of the day, I think I would have to put it on Donald Glover for his Teddy Perkins performance, not only because at the time of the episode, he didn't even like credit himself as playing Teddy Perkins. He just, Teddy Perkins was playing himself in the end credits, but also I think Donald Glover is just riding this narrative high. That's going to, that's been going on with his Saturday night live hosting, dropping the, this is America video. He's going to be in solo next week and he is going to be the star of um, the live action Lion King. I just, it's just going to keep rolling for Donald Glover. And I think that's going to give him some more momentum to win some more Emmy statues. So I agree that Donald Glover is going to get some Emmys for the season, but I don't think it's going to be for acting um, only because, well, not only because, but he was not, he wasn't really prominent in a lot of episodes. Uh, and I thought some of Brian Tyree Henry's performances were just better overall. And we know that Donald Glover has the range to do it. And I think some of the, discussion that he should win an Emmy for his acting in this is because of him or his moment right now, like because he is on SNL because of this America, because solo, it's very easy to say like, all right, he's having a moment he's going to win, but I think he's going to win for best comedy. Like he's, it's his show. He's going to get something for this, but for this season, I think I have to give it to Al Brian Tyree Henry. Um, based on the merits of Barbershop and Woods, um, despite Teddy Perkins being a masterpiece on television. Yeah, that Brian Tyree Henry would be my my second pick, I think. Um, he's going to be in that new uh, Hotel Artemis movie uh, that's kind of a, got an ensemble cast, but I'm, I'm super ready for Brian Tyree Henry to be a movie star. I don't know about you guys. Hell yeah. Same. Um... Well, I guess we'll we'll wrap with questioning whether or not there's going to be a third season. I I don't know where the show goes from here. Um, it's kind of been Atlanta's thing to not put the 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 rap game hustle front and center. That's kind of not what this show is about. Even though that's like a a B or C plot in most episodes, it's really more about the characters themselves. Um, so I don't know what direction they go in, whether or not they advance Paperboy's career. Uh, the next season could literally be two years or away in real time, but the show itself could advance like five years. And that that's just something that Atlanta could do. But I can also see Donald Glover just, uh, you know, hanging it up and, and calling it a day. Roger, what do you think's next for Atlanta? Yeah, that's ultimately where I landed was that um, trying to predict where this show is going, as evidenced by this season, is a fool's errand. You will never be able to predict the next episode. Uh, just they'll be telling a story, and then the next episode will be Teddy Perkins, which has nothing to do with anything. And it's still brilliant TV, obviously, but trying to predict what's going to happen next is just not <laughs> not really feasible. They're everyone involved in the show is too creative. Um, if there is a third season, which, uh, I think I am on record now a few times as saying, I hope there is. Um, I don't think it's gonna like be in Europe on tour or anything. I would 
in my opinion, have to take place in the titular city, Atlanta. Uh, Paperboy would either have to have more notoriety, a little bit more fame now that he went on tour, or um, based on Earn's actions towards his manager, Clark County could have torpedoed him during the tour um, just out of spite, or he could have signed Earn to be his manager. Like, it really could go anywhere. The only uh, the only stable thing in the show is Darius, who's just the best. <laughs> um, but, I mean, trying to predict what's going to happen from week to week is hard, and trying to predict if there's a third season, what the plot will be is super-duper hard. Yeah. Quinn, any thoughts on where the show might go if it continues? Well, since Roger said it can't be predicted... Here we go. I'm going to give my prediction. And... <laughs> The prediction is that that Al starts to blow up in the same way that Childish Gambino, Donald Glover himself, is blowing up in real life. Uh, I think Al is probably a symbol of Donald Glover in some ways, uh, dealing with fame and coming to grips with this is his moment. Um, And I could see them getting more notoriety, maybe being on SNL. maybe uh being on some some big time albums um and that would just be kind of the backdrop to all of the random things that will happen throughout the season yeah i mean again it kind of goes with the theme of the show and that anything can happen in any single episode and literally any sort of direction could be possible for this show um and it would just be be part of the the brand it would be completely on brand for everything to fall apart uh it'd be on brand for al to be mega successful um it could be on brand for somebody to um again try to torpedo uh paperboy's tour something like that his career success anything it like anything is possible but i I really do hope that we get a third season of atlanta because it is hands down the best 30 minute tv show on television it's crazy to me that it's not even close like there's not another show that is as consistently just like the script is good the acting is good the art direction is good the the promotion is good uh it is more original than anything and the fact that it appeals to our generation and our demographic is unique to like i named the two quote-unquote unabashedly millennial shows master of none and this and master of none's probably done now (laughs) so i uh it's like master of none too i i kind of hope it's not done so yeah like i hope it's not done and i have some thoughts about that but it's not about this podcast don't Um, punish lena waith give her more yeah i it's just there's nothing like this on that is as appealing as this that inspires as much conversation as Atlanta and Donald Glover's a genius. Awesome. Um, well, Barry, Silicon Valley, Atlanta, hopefully we will see you down the road. Um, I was your host for the evening. Um, Jordan underscore Smith 27. Uh, do you guys want to give some Twitter handles? Let them know where to find you. Yes. 
I'm Raj, R-O-G underscore Podge, P-O-D-G-E on Twitter.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Raj15Podge because some jerk stole the other handle on that <laughs> platform. Quinny? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at HelloQuinny. My IG is protected because I don't know. I don't know. Posted nudes. <laughs> All right. Um, well, thanks for everybody for listening. Hopefully, we'll catch you down the road. If you have any TV show suggestions, we watch essentially everything, so it probably hasn't slipped by us. Uh, still, plenty of great hour-long television shows out there. Uh, Westworld, Killing Eve, uh, Billions. Get your wags fixed in there. Axe cap all the way. Um, again, I was your host, Jordan Smith. Uh, if you don't listen, kiss my piss. <laughs> 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 <laughs>